You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is part two of this week's Attacking Scrum podcast. If you haven't listened to part one, make sure you have a little listen after this. If you have and you've enjoyed it, then please leave us a review on iTunes and let us know what you think. As we always say, if you've left us a review, we'll be sure to, to give you a shout out on one of the future podcasts. First up, it's the Resurgent Dragons, which is probably why it's, I sound like there's a bit of a spring in my step. Uh, they picked up their second win of the season at a very wet and very windy Rodney Parade on Saturday. No shortage of tries though, as the home side ran out 29-13 victors, grabbing themselves a bonus point in the process. Earlier on, I caught up with Brad Hayward, who makes his second appearance on the podcast, and here's what he had to say. Afternoon, Brad. Afternoon, Gel, I'll call you, since you're oh, missing your God. partner in crime. That's it, yeah, I was going to say, I thought I'd... Thought I'd got rid of all the uh, all the mispronunciations because <laughs> we had a week without Dan Killick. But yeah, thank you yep. very much indeed for that. Uh, Pleasure. How's the uh, how's the man for you? The big the big injury news coming out of uh, yeah, out of it's, it's a big big news in Newport. I think yeah, my man flu is is it has coming as we speak. Uh, may not see out the weekend as oh, anyone that's geez. had man flu will testify. But I'll brave on. I'll brave on. That's uh, well. I tell you what, if you, if you have picked it up anywhere, it could well have been down at Rodney Parade because that was. Uh, that was some classic Newport downpour on Saturday night. Oh, yeah, it was pretty damp. Um, and what was quite good, actually, is, is reflecting on that after the game is the difference between this season and last season mm-hmm. in terms of the pitch. You know, just you had that downpour consistent all day, all the way through the evening with horrific conditions. Um, and the pitch was immaculate, um, which is fantastic. That is exactly what we what we were hoping for when it all got sorted in the summer. It was indeed. Yeah, we'll come on to the game in just a sec. First thing I wanted to say was there was a lot of news and a lot of chat in the Welsh media this week following up from Jackman's team selection over in Ulster. And I said yeah. on the pod last week, I thought it'd be forgotten if we were able to get the wins uh, against the Southern Kings and particularly if we can pull it off against the Cardiff Blues uh, this week. But do you think it was justified, um, judging by the performance on Saturday? 
Personally, I think so. Yeah, I think um, I, mean, I just say last week. I just think that it's nothing that the other teams don't do, mm. which is what Burner's touched on. Um, so they can make whole scale changes from game to game and target specific fixtures because you can't, as you well know, in pro rugby, you can't play the same fifteen week upon week. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think previously we've tried to do that by tinkering with twos and threes in terms of changes. Um, so a lot of players come the end of the season or second half of the season anyway have really drained. Uh, and there was a lot pulled out of them. I think Lewis Evans last season, for example, you know, just bravely braved on through the season. Um, and I think you know that's something we have to do. I think he's being pragmatic. Um, so in, in two things, yes, you know, if we played a first choice team, how competitive would be out there? Would it be an you know bonus potent loss, or um, is he taking risks with the players by doing that and then possibly missing the derby? You know, it's, I think it's the right thing to do personally with a squad we have available to us, and then. It's given those young lads some really valuable game time, which in the, for, the, for the Dragons and maybe even Wales is in the long term really beneficial for them and their development. Yeah, I, th- I think that's it. You know, you, it's hopefully a situation that isn't going to be the case. As I, I said last week, hopefully in a year's time, we're sat there looking at it going, yeah, we're, we're going over to this game and we're making a few changes, but we know that the side we're going to put out is going to be competitive because yeah. you've been able to have a good look at the squad. Some players have had some experience during that time, and you know there will undoubtedly be recruits over the summer too. So, you know, if if in um if in a year's time you're going over to the likes of Ulster and and it's a different scenario, then you know then, then yeah. that's great in the long run. Yeah, exactly, mate. And then you're saying you know in, in a year's time as well that that fixture could be a key turning point in the career of one or two of those young lads that that had their debuts. You know, that could be the, the, the starting point in their onward curve. You know, in terms of their development. So, yeah, I think in the long term, it's probably the best thing. But I can understand why it would cause frustration for people to see so many changes. Um, but, yeah, we have, you have to cut your cloth accordingly, I think. You do. And, and ultimately, there was a win, uh, a win to celebrate on Saturday night. And yeah. we've already mentioned, already mentioned the weather because it would be very easy to look at it and, uh, and say, right, it's definitely a night to, to stuff it up the jumper. You know, proper South Wales bar of soap type uh, yeah. occasion. But uh, there still seemed to be an ambition to play. Yeah, it was. Yeah, the ball went wide con- uh, consistently through the first half, especially. Um, and they're still you know, trying to do the, the midfield moves. And you saw uh, Brock Harris in particular showing up in midfield, with it, you know, trying to use the handling skills, even though the, the weather was pretty horrific. But I think, like I say, that's testament to what Burn is trying to introduce is you know that that style of play that the Dragons then become synonymous with. You know. He said previously, I think he's quoted in the summer to say, you know, if you asked coaches around, you know, what is the Dragons' style of play, mm. is a bit confused. You know, it was, you know, it, it, it can change from week to week. He said he wants to implement a style of play that's consistent and, and, and threatening with the ball in hand. Um, and they looked at that again, even even like you say, with a bar of soap for a ball. Um, there was still that intent to try and play rugby, um, which is which is cracking. Um, first half especially, and then in the second half, I think whether there was the conditions or whether. It was the bonus point try, or but yeah, it's sort of. I think mean, has gone on the record this, last night in terms of his you know, disappointment with the second half performance. We, we didn't put the, you know, the foot on the throat in terms of finishing the game off. Um, it does seem yeah, to be. It does seem to be a common thread this season. While there's definitely some optimism, second half performances have been, have been difficult. Yeah, yeah. So it's quite hard to put your finger on, isn't it? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what you think, mate. I don't know whether it's the, the, the bench or, um, you know, whether we haven't got that, that squad depth to bring on, you know, the real superstars that would that, that take the game up a notch rather than, you know, seeing, seeing out the game. 
Um, although it's the style of play that we're trying to, you know, there's a lot of running involved, you know, in the, and it's changing the way they play in. So it's changing the guys in terms of their, you know, fitness levels and 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 the way they're trying to perform on the, on the day. So I don't know. So it, it may be a number of factors, but um, it's definitely in the right direction. De- you know, all, all the changes are what, what we're seeing anyway are very positive. Um, so yeah, that and I think you know what Bernard said is the, that squad depth that was touched on. You'd like to have a bench that could come on and, and and raise the game further rather than just just seeing the game out. So, yeah, I think like you say, time will tell, I suppose. But um, yes, yeah, definitely stepping in the right direction. Yeah, I think to to kind of carry on with uh, with some of the positives, the big thing that's that struck me, particularly in that first half, is even despite the awful weather condition, Dragons looked like scoring tries. And yeah, I think from the from the first game through to now, there's been an intent to look to score them, but. They look quite a lot more comfortable in the 22, I think, in in that game and you know in the in the Connacht game. They look like taking their chances, and um, and that you know that's obviously a very positive thing. What's kind of what's changed behind the scrum this year? I think um, composure is what I think. You know, just looking at it and think, well, we used to be um, from what I can remember last season in terms of the, the style of play. When we get into that 22, we'd almost increase the tempo to a point of like frantic. Um, and possibly lose a lot of those opportunities. Mm. Um, and I, I try to go without mentioning his name because it's in the media so often, as we all know, but Gavin Henson, yeah. um, that composure at 10. And you watched him last night and the bloke's a class act, you know, don't, you know whatever, whatever's said in the media, the, the guy is still capable at the highest level. He's, the, the game slows down when he gets the ball in his hands. Um, you know, that it seems like the rest of the team <laughs> in front of him are just playing in slow motion. He's got so much time in the ball, and I think it's adding that composure in the back line. So they've got the game, they've got the, the, the sets uh, in terms of his attacking structure, but then they've got a 10 that can dictate that and, and control it. And I think that's made a huge difference, especially with such a young back line that we've got. It does seem to be bringing out the best of those of those talented youngsters outside him. You know, again, you look, yeah. at, you look at Dixon and Morgan, and I think, again, they look much much more comfortable um, yeah. having having someone with Henson's experience inside him. You know, again, I think Dixon's really kind of kicking on, and if he can stay injury free, is um, you know he's going to have a really strong season. Yeah, he's he's been huge the last couple of games, Jay, and he's he's given us that go forward um, with the ball and then without the ball, that physicality in midfield. Um, you know, we've all known from a very young age that Jack's got potential to go right up there, and he's been really unfortunate with injuries in the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, you know, hopefully for both for us and, and for Wales that this can be, you know, his, his, his clear breakthrough season, you know, and really take it up that level that we all know I think he's, he's capable of getting there. Um, and yeah, like having to say, having that, because you know, Gav inside him is still a physical specimen at 35. You know, he's still capable of in, in defence. Um, so you know, having having him outside Gavin is is giving that go forward, like I say, and a bit more structure in the midfield. You know, it's a bit more direct when it needs to be. Um, so yeah, he, he was superb last night again, Jack. Yeah, no, I absolutely thought he was. Another player really impressed me in the in the first half was Ashton Hewitt. Well, yeah. I think uh, in particular his kind of his defensive work. Uh, you know, you look at the way he's kind of um, he's improved that. It was a fantastic turnover after ten minutes. His kick chase was was really impressive and looks as though you know he's kind of improving um, improving as a as an all round player. As we were kind of saying off air. Unfortunately, went off um, went off at half time and didn't didn't return. 
any news on what the latest is there? No, not yet. It's a, and hopefully, you know, fingers crossed both for us and, and possibly Wales in the autumn. Think, you know, fingers crossed for that. But it's not, it's not too serious. But yeah, it's like we were talking about. He's Ashton's just. We've all known he's a threat with ball in hand. We've all known he's got the pace and he's got that, you know, the feet to get around. But like you say, developing his game in terms of defence, you know, physicality, he's strong over the ball. He got turned over penalty last night. Um, and I don't know what what's what's your thoughts, Jed, in terms of the future of Welsh wingers, in terms of what we have. You know, you've got Steph Evans, you've got and, yeah. and the wingers we have now aren't exactly getting on, are they? You know, no, I mean I would, I would love to have a look at a few options now. Um I just think that we wasted an opportunity during the autumn last uh, yeah. last year to have a look at um to have a look at some some other players when I think they should have they should have not put Cuthbert out in the firing line and kept him with the Blues to to try and regain some form there rather yeah. than under the scrutiny of uh, of um, you know of international yeah. rugby. But I think yeah. I, I think Ashton Hewitt and and Steph Evans and although he's playing in a bad side at the moment, Keelan Giles, yeah, are players that you know you're going to want to have a look at because it just adds a, a lot of variety to the to the back line and if you look how Wales have played kind of post 2011 you've had big big wingers in in yeah. North and Cuthy and um, while they've done you know really good jobs it's it's great to have variety in there and what I loved about Steph Evans watching him for Scarlet is he is you know he's looking for he's looking to hit he's, he's looking to avoid contact rather than to go yeah. for it and I'd just yeah. love to see a bit more of that within um within Welsh rugby. So, um, yeah. you know, I think Hewitt started really well. And again, I think you, you're off air when you mentioned this, he always beats his first man. Yeah, every time. Yeah, it's almost guaranteed. It, and, that, and, and it's like you've got, you've got that sort of dancing runner that Ashton is, and then you've got Steph Evans, whose running lines are exceptional, aren't they? Like you say, he, he doesn't need to dance. It's like you say, he always, he always finds the gap just because of those clever angles he takes. Yeah. yeah so, you know, it's, it's good to see us starting to build that strength in depth in certain areas. Um, but it's like like you say about the you know the Ulster game last week with the Dragons is you've got to give these guys that exposure you know it may cost you the odd fixture here and there but in the long term that's that can only be beneficial to, for them to have that experience. Yeah, oh, I absolutely agree. So yeah, yeah, I think particularly in in Ashton's case, he's had such bad luck when he's been um, yeah. on the verge of on the verge of getting into the uh, into the senior squad. He's had such bad luck with injury that you really hope that it isn't. Um, that it isn't another uh, another bit of disappointing news for him. Yeah, hope so. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, indeed. And um, probably worth looking at the quality of the opposition as well, because you know while we kind of um, definitely want to recognise the positives, the Kings don't look like a strong side. I think it has to be said. Um, the one thing I would say though is I think if you imagine you know how we've laboured to wins over the likes of Zebra in in seasons gone by um, on nights yeah. similar to that. It was. It didn't look like that. There were still moments to get you excited, and and it did feel like um, you know, this is a a more impressive a more impressive side than than we've seen for some time from the from the Dragons. So although there's you know there's there's still a hell of a long way to go, I do think there's there's some positive sides in there. Um, yeah, the things got a hell of a lot of work to do. They have. I think the Dragons you're talking about. We're implementing a change in terms of how we attack and how we defend. And, and and people can see the sort of the, the grassroots of that sort of come in now. In terms of the Kings, from what I saw last night, um, obviously predominantly focusing on your team when you're watching it live, aren't you? Bill, from what, from what I was watching, I thought they 
looked like some some very good players, um, physical, um, some some speed that they had. Um, but I don't think they had the, the structure. It looked a bit one up in terms yeah. of when they had the ball. Um, I think the the cheetahs are a different prospect altogether. I know it's a different conversation for a different day, but I think they will be very very competitive once the Curry Cup is over, um, possibly next season. But mm. um, but where the Southern Kings are in, in terms of you know, measuring them against the cheetahs, I think obviously I think they're just that step below at the moment. Um, and I say whether that, I know they've had a hint, you know the hindrance they've had over pre-season. I think I think not had one. Um, come straight out of the Super Rugby season, straight into this. It's always they're always buying the eight ball, aren't they? I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, they're decent players, I think. Um, but yeah, I think they look more of a physical team. Um, didn't necessarily look to expand with the ball from what I saw. Like I say, where the conditions were, what they were, so I don't know whether that was the plan. Indeed, um, I suppose attention now all turns to the uh, to the East Wales derby now, and yeah. you know it, it's kind of it's it's hard to remember um, it's hard to remember going into a going into a derby game whether you know the where the sides had this much kind of confidence. So, um, do, do you think the Dragons are going to get the win at Cardiff Farm Spot? I would, I would like to say so. I think um, I'd be a lot more confident if our squad was a little bit more. Um, I think it's forty-two percent of our players are currently injured. Yeah. I think somebody said on Friday, um, and you know, competed in back row, scrum half. There's a couple of areas where we are right on the on the breadline in terms of players, and we've got a lot of academy lads on the bench. So that would be only the only caveat. I think with a full strength squad from what we've seen at the start of the season, I'd be very, very confident to come to the Arms Park and bring something away. Um, still confident, but um, yeah, we'd have to wait and see. I mean, the Blues, I think, got a lot to play for at home. Um, definitely looking forward to the fixture. Can't wait to get across there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think we're, we're gonna. We made a decent list of it at Christmas last season, um, and Ashton in particular had a very good game. Um, but they always looked like too much for us, especially Nick Williams and a few other players that were just you know that, that extra physicality. So. Um, it'd be interesting to see, um, yeah, what how the Blues play, what style they choose, and, and and if we can implement our plan on them, I think we'll cause them some threat, and I think we will, you know, score some tries as we've seen. So, yeah, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Hopefully, we we'll take some good numbers across as well on Friday, which would be great. Yeah, I hope so. And you know, it's always always a special fixture. So yeah, really, yeah. Looking, really looking forward to that one. And then just to finish on, Brad, can't go a conversation with you without mentioning Ollie Griffiths. <laughs> um, fresh off a, a, yeah, another really, really solid performance from him. Um, yeah, from him yeah. this weekend. But I was gonna, I was gonna try and go um, <laughs> without bringing him up um, because I didn't want to get become too tedious. But um, last night, I think you saw the other side of Ollie Griffiths. I mean, there's two, there's the highlights reels that you can see on YouTube of yeah. you know, the way he can carry so dynamically and, and some of the tackling that he puts in is just ferocious. Um, but it was reminiscent of, of Sam Warburton last night. Into I know his comparisons a lot, um, and I, I know they don't like him being brought up. But um, it's like when you discuss it with the Lions, and you can just see when you're watching it live, and you can see what's going on. Yeah, it's just when he's on the pitch, their ball is a second or two slower. Mm. You know, every ruck he's just it takes two or three just to get him out of there. He's a nuisance. Um, such a strong player over the ball, and so physical in the contact area. Um, so that, and this is why I think he's such a complete player. You know, he can carry, he can pass. He's, he's got pace. He's dynamic off the mark. But in the breakdown, he, you know, he, 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 he's just a he's just a, a nuisance. You know, um, 
And I think he's got a huge future. I really do. And I know there's a lot of conversation about where he fits in in the Welsh national setup. Um, so I'm just playing for the Dragons. <laughs> it's just the priority for me. But he is right up there. Um, personal opinion, obviously biased, but I am. He's, he's third behind Tiprick and Warburton, in my opinion. He, um, he'd probably get a lot more credit within the media if he was playing for a, a higher-profile team. Well, that's um, the that's the conversation that's been in the media this week. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know whether uh, whether he needs to be at a more uh, high-profile <laughs> team in order to um, in order to get a look in with the Welsh side. But you know, that, I, I think at the moment while he's playing a real pivotal role for the Dragons, you know, I don't think I, I don't think I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think the biggest problem he's got is the strength, strength in depth um, that there is yeah. in seven and. Um, in Wales, you know, I, I think it's so much more important that he's that he's playing rugby week in week out, yeah. stays injury free, um, yeah. and you know, you look at you know, you look at Toby when Toby was playing at the Dragons, no one was exactly. looking past him then because you just saw what a what a class yeah. act he is. Yeah, and I think with only four professional teams and and you know, and Team Wales picking from those four, um, it's almost irrelevant in my opinion, perhaps mm. you know, perhaps naive, but. In, in terms of which one of those regions they're at, if they're performing and playing week in, week out, um, the coaches can see what the players are capable of. You know, every statistic is measured. You know, they can see what Ollie's doing in training. They can see what he's doing on the paddock for the Dragons. If he was repeating those for the Blues, the Scarlets, the Ospreys, would it make any difference whatsoever? The only reason I brought it up is because it's been brought up in the media this week, obviously. But my point would be, yes, he'd get a lot more credit within the media if he was playing for a higher-profile team. But in terms of selection for international rugby, I don't think it impacts it at all. It's like you said, you know, Toby Falatau is a test lion paying for the Dragons. You know, it's yeah. if you've got the ability, um, and like I say, it's a small goldfish bowl in terms of Welsh pro rugby. So it's not exactly going to miss out. Um, yeah, it's just, I think, you know, a phenomenal talent and a huge prospect for, for us and for Wales. Um, yeah, you know, I can't speak highly enough of the guy. That's it. No, I wholeheartedly agree. And hopefully... Uh... Hopefully he's able to put in another one of those performances um, if uh, if he gets selected for the for the Cardiff Blues game on Friday night. And yeah, yep. fingers crossed, a, a win there would be a, would be a massive statement. I think. Yeah, I think it would. I think it would. It just um, I think there's a, like I say, we talked about earlier. There's a lot of positivity around the place at the moment, and mm. and 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 only so much of that can get generated off the field. You know, with Bernard's efforts across the region, engaging with people and 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 the team's efforts, but. You know, predominantly it's going to be what happens on the field, what the results, and what the performances, as importantly, are. And at the moment, they're looking you know, very strong. There's a lot of optimism around. Um, you know, a derby victory would take it to the next notch, wouldn't it? It just, you know, just give that next step forward. Um, but don't ask too much too soon. You know, it's a very thin squad, a lot of injuries. Like I say, a bench full of academy lads that are 18 years old. Um, it would be an ask, but. It'd be a superb statement, I think, for the, to start this this new, this new era, really. Well, indeed, and obviously we'll be covering that when uh, when we have a look at those fixtures uh, on next week's podcast. In the meantime, though, Brad, thanks for joining us, and uh, yeah, we'll chat to you soon. Cheers, yeah, thanks for that. Thanks, Brad. That was Brad Hayward there, braving the man flu to chat all things dragons with me earlier. Finally, the last part of the podcast is time to review the Cardiff Blues week. And it's been some week. On the pitch, they put in a, a decent first half performance away to Munster in Limerick, but ultimately were beaten 39 points to 16 by the Irish side. A couple of decent individual performances. I thought Nick Evans went well against his former side. I was impressed with Thomas Williams at 
at scrum half. Jared Evans showed a, a few glimpses with a couple of nice bits of skill, but also showed his inexperience with a couple of missed touches also. But the big news this week was the announcement that Danny Wilson, head coach, would not be continuing with the side past the end of the season. Now, I caught up with longtime contributor of the podcast, the mighty Murph, to get his views on Wilson's impending departure. Right then, making his return after a, an extended absence, coming back to bolster the attacking scrum squad. Delighted to say the mighty Murph is with us. How are you doing, Murph? Very good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Been a while since we've heard your dulcet tones. <laughs> My first while I've, been, I've heard yours, obviously, on the... Uh... <laughs> On the podcast, but I haven't spoken to you in person. So yeah, it's been a while. It has, and uh, we've uh, we've come up with um with a new role for you this season, which seems <laughs> seems slightly odd, doesn't it? Given that we're two Welshmen living in uh, living in London, we're going to yeah. get you to look out for Welshmen playing in England. So you're going to keep an eye on all those play- yeah. all those Welshmen in exile, despite being a being on the right side of the bridge. The lifelong resident of Cardiff. I'm going to specialise on. It's quite fitting, though, with the balmy world of Welsh rugby that we do it that way, I think. I think you're probably right, yeah. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you certainly, certainly seem, uh, you know, you, you catch a lot more of the Aviva Premiership stuff than we do, so you'd be much more qualified to keep an eye on who's uh, on who's been yeah. pressing. So we'll come on to that in, in a moment. But yeah. matters closer to home this week. Uh, the big news in Cardiff was that Danny Wilson has announced he's not going to be uh, not going to be renewing his contract, not going to be staying on at the Cardiff Blues after... Uh, after the summer, so this will be his last season. Um, mm-hmm. Do you see that as a as a bit of a surprise, or did you see that one coming? I didn't see it coming. No, but then I, I, it's got his his, uh, his three year contract seems to have gone. I mean, he's only two years in, really, but it seems to have gone quite quick his time at the Blues. So obviously, the way these things work now, you're, you're negotiate, negotiating your new contract nearly a year out from it expiring, and of course they've offered an extension, which they only offer a year. So, hello? Oh, yeah, yeah, go on, Matt. Oh, sorry, I thought you cut out then. Uh, they only offered him a year, so that, that, that no one's said anything in the media, but that might be another reason why he's turned him down, because why would he only want a year? If, if they want him, surely two or three would be the reasonable choice, like, you know? So it, yeah. it's gone really quick, and it, it, did, it did catch me by surprise, I'll be honest. I think that's, I think that's a good point, actually, about the, uh, about the extension, and... Um... The other thing, of course, which seems to be the big factor is the uh, the kind of the, the playing budget and the, the opportunity to recruit, which has yeah. been lurking in the background for a little while with the whole kind of Franco van der Merwe affair. Um, mm. But I think that's probably going to make things difficult in terms of recruiting another coach, isn't it? Uh, in, every, in every regard of any recruitment, players, coaches, mm. everyone knows what they're coming to. Um, um, the thing that is probably... More depressing is, I think it was Martin Williams pointed out on uh, Scrum 5 last week that um, they got 20 players coming out of contract at the end of the season. Yeah, it's an awful lot as well, isn't it? Uh, no, well, uh, properly, he said it on a, a properly managed club. It might have been someone else, actually. Properly managed club doesn't allow that mm. to come around because you you got yourself in a massive hole now. If you don't negotiate or get the right, or whatever they do, negotiate the right ways for whoever you want to keep, Suddenly, you haven't got enough players to take the pitch, let alone, you know, form a squad. So, um, yeah, I mean, really seriously depressing times. And it's uh, ironic because I was away when you and uh, Dan were doing your 
uh, pre-season previews mm. per region and the Blues one. I, I was I wanted to be involved. I was in, yeah. in, abroad on halls and I wanted to be involved because at the time it was not it was quite fresh in my mind was the um, FIRA under 20s World Cup. Is that the, what they call it? FIRA yeah. and the uh, Welsh under 20s pack had dominated everyone in the scrum with with uh, Azarati mm-hmm. and Rhys Carey. And then, of course, uh, Dylan Lewis made a comeback on the Wales tour to Tonga and Samoa as well. So there's a good crop of young props at the Blues and, and other regions, in fairness. But a really, I think, really good, plus Tomachowski as well. Really good crop, even though I, you know, I kind of writ, writ them all off and they got stuffed by Gloucester last season. Yeah, they're but still they, they're young developing, props, we know that. You know. Yeah, they're developing so quickly. And, and they, you know, what probably caught my eye the most was they dominated the English scrum. Which is always pleasant to see in the in the uh, in the under twenties game. Um, in any and then I, in any any exactly. of life. Yeah. Is, yeah. Well, they, they're normally so game or or what? Well, yeah, but they're normally so powerful at such a young age, the English yeah. side. But it was uh, really a uh, pleasure to see. And then I saw Mate of mine who was involved with the Blues, and they were saying they all. Re- he was saying that they're all really impressed with uh, Kieran Azarati and. Uh, some are expecting him to break into the Welsh squad this season, um, which is, you know, really much quicker than I was expecting. Yeah. And, um, well, the thing is, he's it, a bit of a point of difference because, like, if you look at the two incumbent tight ends, we've got uh, Sam, Samson Lee and uh, Thomas Francis. Yeah. They're both just big scrummagers. They don't exactly. offer much. They're not massive tacklers. They don't carry ball or anything. Um, this Sarazati, uh, he's got hands like a back, you know, he, um, well, hands like a fly off is, the, is what he was saying to me. Um, and he carries well and he gets around the field. He's really mobile. So you could argue that someone like that is a much better option to come off the bench than Thomas Francis, who is, you know, he's just Thomas Francis. So, um, yeah, that, that might well, be one of the reasons why I expect him. Thomas Francis, no less. Uh, sure, but um, that might be one of the reasons why I expect him to break into the Welsh squad this season. So I, want, I wanted to talk about him and I would, if I was able to be there, obviously, I wanted to talk about. Um, Reese Carey as well because he's an ex-pupil of my daughter, my daughter's school, and oh, he presented right? at, yeah, he presented at the, um, he presented at the school sports presentation thing. My daughter won an award, and I was desperate to get a photo of my daughter and <laughs> Reese Carey, but in classic twelve-year-old fashion, she barely touched his hand, grabbed a trophy, and walked off. So I didn't get my photo opportunity. But the boy is absolutely massive. Twenty. He's. Tw- this is official now. I'm not making this up. He's twenty years old. And 130 kilos, so he's 20 stone. And in the flesh, normally someone who's 20 stone looks a bit on the plump side. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, <clears throat> this guy, he's just there's no he, obviously he's not he's not built like a jockey. He's not razor thin, but he is a massive lump of a bloke. If he if he tried to lose weight, he'd still be massive. He's absolutely massive. He's exactly to me. He's exactly the type of front five forward Wales doesn't breed. Yeah. They probably got him lying around on the ground in France. I dare say. But he's not expected to do much with the, from what I hear, he's not expected to do much with the region uh, for the Blues. He's been playing for Cardiff, I think. <laughs> but he is on a full-time professional contract, and obviously they're planning for him to come through. But someone like him, who's the other guy? This, there was a massive kid, uh, I'm probably thinking about three decades ago. Andrew Kembury was one. He just yeah. looked like he was playing with children. He was so big. Uh, he's a little bit like that, and he should be, re- I think, really nurtured. I, I think I've said to you before, he looks like Josh Homme on steroids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, need, you need to know who Josh Homme is, so that would be funny, but still. 
and he's a big lump. <laughs> so I was really enthusiastic, and then um, everything's just got worse and worse every week. Every week, new, some new new news has come out. Of, this time it's Danny Wilson, and other times it's just big injuries to their main players. So um, yeah, it has, but it, it kind of you know the parallels between what's gone on down the road at the Dragons. You know, if you look, mm. if you were to look back. 12 months or even le- even less time than that if you look back six months um they were in they were in a similar position um, massive turnaround but it's about yeah but it's about knowing what that what that route out is for the cardiff blues the dragons you know were handed a lifeline by the wiu and it seems to be you know it seems to be promising starts still a hell of a long way to go whether or not that would ever be an option with cardiff blues no one's quite sure but um well it's so complicated isn't it with is it the Peter Thomas situation yeah. that they owe him so much money. Um, like, I, I'm not, I, I'm not a, a journalist or, or any kind of ex-player of in any of official capacity, so I can say exactly what I think. So here goes. Um, apparently, they owe him millions and millions of pounds, like twenty or something million pound, and the, the, the I think the idea behind redeveloping the whole of the Arms Park site hotels and all sorts of stuff they want. It's kind of for him to get his money back. Mm-hmm. I, maybe I've misunderstood that. There's this, my attitude is a lot of the reason why they, they owe him so much money, like the reason they're in so much debt, is on the back of some of the decisions that he's made, he's made when he was running the club, if mm-hmm. you follow my meaning. Yeah, I like, if someone was running it better, they probably wouldn't be in £20 million debt to the benefactor. Like some of the signings... A rumored back in the day, like some sort of Sam Norton might an earlier yeah. earlier signings and that, were rumored to be on his behest. Like if the coach doesn't make the signings, I don't know. I, I would never. Uh, I think the best example you can compare is Mike Cuddy. Mike Cuddy was doing a similar sort of thing at the Ospreys. And after a while, in a fair while, in fairness, a few seasons, he realised he wasn't doing the job properly and got out of it. He doesn't run the club anymore. He's probably still involved in some financial way, but he doesn't. He didn't persevere because he, like, he's good at demolishing buildings. Other right, people are good at running rugby clubs. Yeah. And uh, 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 Peter Thomas is obviously excellent at being a caterer. I couldn't say, I can. well, lots of people defend him because you say, who else is going to put up the money for the booth? Mm. But put, put the money up, just don't run it. That's what, that's always, from 20 years ago, I've always said he should Well, in whatever, it, whatever sport, you know, that's, that's always tends to be a good lesson, doesn't it? Whether that be football, rugby or whatever, you know, you, you kind of tend to stick to stick to your own lane and uh yeah and, and put people in charge who, who if are if he was uh if he was you know the uh what's his name? Gold Gary what's his name? Gary Gold is it at uh, yeah, Bath uh, or something? Yeah. The big money man there or the big money man at Toulon where it, it's just well probably a bad comparison, but the big money man at Manchester City mm. where they're not really doing it for any benefit. It's just because they got spare money, yeah. If, if you like, um, Peter Thomas, I as I understand, is not that level of wealth. So then it gets to the point where, where you know, by all means, help out, but don't run the bloody club. You haven't got enough money to lose on it if you kind of if you follow. Yeah, I do, and and that's the that's the kind of the the depressing situation that, that Cardiff Blues find themselves in at the moment. Yeah. Um, 
guess just to bring it back to Danny Wilson for uh, mm. for a sec. Is that what we were talking about at the beginning? It was, it was originally. Yeah. <laughs> Before we've I ranted. Through, we've, we've gone through massive props from, uh, from I love, recent times. He, like 20 I, years he's, ago. I've almost got a man crush on the guy. And he's to, to bring it back to Danny Wilson, though, you mentioned his three, his three years have gone past very, very quickly. How do you mm. think his, his kind of tenure will be remembered? Really positively, by me anyway. I don't know about the rest of the world. I mean, um, Tal Felice has had a lot of praise heaped upon him because he's the oldest professional to be offered a new contract or something. And I think he owes it all to Danny Wilson. At times, um, he's never been a great scrummager, but at times his scrummaging has been absolutely awful. Yeah. And the arrival of Danny Wilson, he's just got everyone low and tight and together in the scrum, and, and it's extended um, Felice's career by a, a good couple of seasons. So um, for, that, for that for that reason alone, and the fact that he got the you know, the set piece working at a club where it was never working under the previous um, coaches. Um, yeah, I, I, I've already seen people on Twitter say, uh, can he take over from Robbie McBride? And can, um, yeah. well, now he's finished. And can Stephen Jones take over from Rob Howley when they, when they, when they finish there? So, well, we're all, yeah, I think, you know, we've all had those, we've all had those thoughts at, at certain points. Um, <laughs> yeah. the side. A lot of them have been aired on this very podcast. Mm. Um, you're right. It does. It does feel like it almost feels like it's a shame that he's that he's not had a chance to not had a chance to really show his full impact because it's almost like those basics are in place now. But because mm-hmm. of the financial situation, he hasn't been able to recruit a bit more or to um, or to be able to commit the time to to carry on and see what what kind of could have been there. And you know, especially as you say, with a, with a, some talented crop of youngsters. Yeah, I mean, uh, Seb Davis, for example. I mean, because of the threadbare nature of the squad down there, I, he, to me, he's at risk of burning out just after yeah. Christmas. Because he, if he was he, I don't know, is he twenty? I think he's twenty. Yeah. And he, he's playing really. I mean, he's the hottest second row prospect in the country in the space of what yeah, eight, a handful, eight or yeah, ten he games. He had a regional start until uh, until this yeah. season. Yeah. So probably got noticed more on the Wales tour to Tonga Samoa. And then, in, so we're talking six or seven games. He's gone from no one's really heard of him. Apart from, in fairness, Dan Killick pointed him out last season. He did, he? yeah. Uh, to to me, uh, the the next the next big thing in our second row, you know, in this country, because there's not a lot of young great second rows. If you go in the Welsh squad, Jake Ball is twenty six, twenty seven. Yeah. All the others are way over thirty. So there's yeah, not much coming are. through, you know. And so Seb Davis is really important, but because he's at the Blues, he, he could be. Playing, uh, they did give him a rest this week, didn't they? They had him on the bench. He came, he came on towards the end, yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a lot of work for a young player, you know. Yeah, it is definitely. Stage. And you've got, you've mm. got to be worried about burnout. And let's mm. be honest, the Welsh, the Welsh management will be looking at him right now. And they're going to be. I'd be, yeah. I'd be very surprised if he's not in the autumn squad, because you know, like, yeah, for those exact reasons mm. you've said, there isn't the strength in depth in second row that there once was. You know, Charts is 34, 35 now, and. Yeah. Um, you know, Bradley Davis hasn't been playing his best rugby for a couple of, you know, probably since leaving no, Wasps. No, um, no one at the Ospreys is playing well. No, no one. really not. So, no, like um, even like players we were raving about last year, like say great James Cracknell, or uh, is, is not <laughs> playing Cracknell. well. 
Oh yeah, James. James Cameron is, is his uncle, rower. the rower. Yeah. Hey, right back. <laughs> there you go. It's like you've never right been away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. That's almost like an anniversary celebration. That is. It is. Um, yeah, it's good to. It's good to. Have that, good to have that James back. Cracknell, the the rower turned rugby player. Yeah. Uh, the Ospreys is not the player he was last season, and uh, even like uh, the god like Alamin Jones is making handling errors against the Cheetahs on the weekend. Um, Reese Webb's not really it's his strider. Everyone is all over the place. So uh, at that club. So, and going back to the Seb Davis thing, a lot of the boys ahead of him who we were expecting to develop, like Rory Thornton and Adam, Adam Beard, they haven't kicked on really from where they were. And it's, it's really hard to do it in a to do it in a struggling side. I mean, credit to, yeah. to Seb Davis, he is you know he's really stood up and, and made a mark on it. But yeah, it's it's not an easy thing to do to come into a side that lacks structure and and impart yourself on on the game and you know, make that and make a big impression. And yeah. so, yeah, it's it's Still in a real the, hole, the, par- yeah. the parallels between the Ospreys and the Blues are are quite striking, I think, this season. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just to just to finish on the Blues before we have a chat about uh, about some of the Welshmen playing in England, anyone you think would make a would make a really good replacement for for Danny Wilson, either realistic or otherwise. Well, coaching wise, yeah. Do you know I have no? I mean, I can imagine them going overseas because there's no one that immediately brings to mind. I mean, um, Steve Tandy might be available by the end of the season. Yeah, he might be available um, by the end of the week if they get <laughs> by, uh, by the Scarlet. Yeah. Um, I really don't know. I mean, if if you look back at Cardiff true to form, they'll probably try and get someone cheap, let's mm. be honest, like they did with uh, sort of Paul John and Chief and what have you, and then various other people they've had in short notice yeah, nice and, and cheap. Yeah. Yeah, so chances are it'd be something like that, but I, I, I can see. Well, it's, it's not going to be a big name. That's, we all, that's all we if know. There's not, if there's not the money for players to bring in, unless something massive changes, then it's not going to be a big name coach. I can't, I can't see. I there's been a few chats this week, and I mentioned it. Um, I mentioned it, Chandy, yesterday earlier on that I could that there's been a few mentions of maybe a Gethin Jenkins or a Matthew Reese style. Right. Um, Elder so statesman on, from within the squad, which again yeah. I could I could see. That's on the cheap again. Yeah, it is on the cheap. Yeah, it yeah. is. Um, I don't know how that would like. The, I I don't think they can afford to take any players out of the squad and onto the coaching yeah. benches. They haven't got enough. They haven't got a squad big enough. I mean, even Die Young apparently is having to trim his squad. Yeah. Over the border, so. Um, but you know. That's a different. I don't, I don't, yeah, there. I don't think it'll be in the same league as uh, in the same league <laughs> no. as the trimming that's going on at Cardiff. But yeah. there we go. Right, mm. let's. That's a seamless segue, Murph, into into Perfect. going over the the Seven Bridge. And I don't get many seamless segues from you, so I'm going to take that one. <laughs> no. I'm going to take that one while it's there. We've yeah. had to, so we've had just over a month of the new season, mm. and um, yeah, wanted to get your take on some of the players who've impressed you, and maybe some of the ones who haven't. Uh, with regards to the Welsh players playing in England, so I was going to start. Uh, I was going to start with uh, with one suggestion. A lot's been made in the last few weeks about Rhys Priestland. How much have right. you seen him this season? Uh, a fair bit, and that's that's why I wanted to Bath in particular. I wanted to bring him first because it's not just Rhys, is it? There's a few. There's lots. Yeah. Uh, Rhys, the I mean, Rhys Priestland, the Raven, and that's justified. He's playing well. Lo and behold, he gets minutes. He plays well. If you follow yeah. what I mean, because George okay. Ford is out the way. Uh, but we knew uh, if you. You know, if you're uh, a complete nerdy anorak, you knew he was a good answer because he was first choice for Wales uh, five seasons ago. Yeah. 
fish raise 10 and be awesome. Bad. So that's why I wouldn't be as excited as everyone else. He can really, you know, lose his, I don't know if his confidence with Reese or what, but he can really... You, I think at that look. point in his career, it must have been, because, you know, he was... Mm. Um, when he was play, when he was playing with confidence, as we saw at the 2011 World Cup, he really got something out of that Welsh backline, something which, yeah. at times, other outside halves have, have struggled to do. Yeah. But then... Following on from that, you know, obviously Dan Bigger doesn't have that that natural distrib- distributing game that that Priestland has, but he's a lot more solid in defence. He's very resilient and he's an ultimate competitor. They're kind of really two ends of the the spectrum when it comes to when it comes. Yeah, to, to just I think consistency is a big big difference between the two as well yeah. because like Reese is on a hot streak now, but he can. Uh, I'd love to see it sustain it all season, but we know that it, it, the wheels can come off with him and. Uh, so I, I, you know, if you go on current form, he's in the squad, and Sam Davis isn't. But yeah, um, whether whether that'll be any good for Wales long term, and whether Warren Gatland will pay any attention to anyone else, is a different thing altogether. So yeah, yeah I think it, it definitely is. I mean, you know, obviously I haven't seen um, I haven't seen as much of Freesand as as you have, but yeah, certainly Sam mm-hmm. Davis has really struggled there. Uh, well, really the other thing, and then there's, there's the injuries, of course, as well. You know. Anscombe, Anscombe is mm. out and probably unlikely to make the the squad in the autumn as a result. Yeah. Yeah. Then you've got um yeah then you've got uh obviously you've got Dan Bigger there but um and Reese uh, Patchell playing well at the Scarlets but mm. it's definitely up for grabs isn't it that third spot? Yeah it is. Uh, Reese Patchell's the one I think because he's well uh, and and Reese Priestland because they're both playing in good teams mm. so they don't like a uh, Reese Priestland uh, apart from getting minutes now that George Ford is out the way he's got. Big ass forwards in front of him, and a talented backline behind him. I mean, it's hard not to, you know, it'd be hard to play poorly, really, if you think about it. He's 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 in a really initially anyway. The first couple of games of the season, a really good side. They beat Leicester away, then they beat Saracens at home, and uh, he was playing a big part of it. But um, put him <laughs> like I like I always say about uh, Thomas Young. Put him in the Dragons for a fortnight last season, and see how yeah. good he is then. So and and again, Patchell at uh, the Scarlets. He's in he, wouldn't, most, he, uh, he wouldn't get in the Dragon side anyway because <laughs> not super guard, no. I mean, not with that haircut. <laughs> the uh, he, he, Patchell's playing in the most exciting team in the British Isles to watch. So you know, his, his form is obviously going to get a boost from that, and he should be in the squad as well. But we'll see. We will indeed. Let's stick with Bath for the for the time being, though, because obviously Excuse. there's no shortage of uh, of Welshmen playing um, just over the bridge. Who uh, mm. who else is has stood out for you? Uh, you? I don't know if you or anyone else is going to believe this, but Scott Andrews is the one that stood out to me. Wow. I can't stop. I can't stop thinking about him. Like <laughs> when when you when you when you get cut from the Blues, yeah, it's not good. You, you know, you're either going to the Dragons, not anymore, but in the past we would have gone yeah, to the yeah, Dragons. Yeah, of course, you're either going to the second division in France, like yeah. Luke Hamilton, or you're going to play semi-professional rugby. So when he could, when he got picked up by Bath, he m- must. M- been completely unable to believe his luck. Going to, I mean, their training facilities alone must have been an attraction. Yeah, he's gone. He's gone to Bath. Uh, as we know, like I'm not going to judge the guy because he's a he captain my rugby club at one stage, so he he gets a pass. But as we know, he's kind of not quite capable of scrummaging to the highest level. Should we yeah. say? Is that a kind way of saying it? Yeah, I think that's 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 probably a that's probably a fair way of saying it. Anyway, yeah, I mean. I, I, 
as is kind of traditional with Cardiff props, are not quite able to scrummage fully. But anyway, uh, uh, lately, anyway. Uh, so he goes to uh, Bath. Um, I, I assume they got him on the cheap. I don't know how much they're paying him. Mm. But he comes off the bench, uh, second game of the season, 15 minutes to go, tackles himself to a standstill, and he's beaten Salatons. Straight away. As soon as he, like, first job. Yeah. First day at work. First day at the office, he beats Salatons. <laughs> Having been cut from the Blues. He, he's just... He just, I mean, I can't believe his luck. I hope he can't either. Is that is that is that been his only performance to date, though? Has that been sorry? Has that been his only? Um, has that been his only performance, or is he? Um, no, I think he's come off. I think he's come off the bench again since. Yeah. I, I, I'll have to double check. I, like I said, I'm thinking about him all the time, so I should really check on exactly how many minutes he's had, because uh, it's a, it's like a. It's like a massive underdog story. You don't, yeah. you just don't come back like that when you've been cut from the blues. So. No, it's true. Well, it's similar to it's similar to Alid Brew last year. You know, same mm. same club. When you're getting when you're getting cut from the dragon, you know, I can't even get in the dragon side midway through the season when they're playing as badly as they were last season. Um, you know, you have to look at it and say, all oh, right, well, there can't be much of a way back. But again, you know, he uh, he really impressed, uh, particularly last season. Yeah, I mean. Uh... They must have phenomenal agents. That's all I can say. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it, it might work out for Scott. I don't know. You know, it might uh, being around that level of player, uh, we can we can imagine might improve him. But um, just to to land that job after being cut by the Blues is outstanding work by someone. What about uh, the uh, what about the likes looking uh, away from Bath for a sec? Unless unless you had anything to add on. Yeah, uh, I, on uh, or... yeah well. Um, there's two, uh, Luke and uh, Toby are there, and uh, as is always away with Luke, if he's in the uh, second row of the lineup for uh, Wales, he's heavily marked because he's a clear target. And um, so um, Bath doing the same, he's getting heavily marked, and they're throwing it to uh, Falato in the lineup, which uh, is fine, but I can't remember him ever being used in the lineup for Wales, not in recent seasons anyway, maybe at the start. I it's I... not. It's, all, it's always Sam, I think. Yeah. And uh, he took uh, the. I think it was the Saracens game at home. He took loads of ball. Toby Falato. Um, I, I, th- I think he's a. You know, again, I, I don't have any stats to hand, but um, I, I think he's a. He's a great lineout option for uh, for either Wales or Bath. You know, he's. We need all the options we can get in the lineout because yeah, our, our lineout is a, is a really unreliable. So. Um, yeah, I, I was surprised. I, I can't remember him jumping the line out in a good few seasons for, for Wales. And he definitely didn't used to do it for the Dragons. Mm. No, it's no, too fair, important. Yeah, fair point. Um, mm. What about then uh, some of the some of the players um, away from Bath? I'm thinking in particular Jamie Roberts, a kind of crucial point huh? in his career. Captain yeah. Wales over the summer, missed out on the Lions. And again, you know, seems to be the fall guy for for you know, kind of criticism directed at, at the Welsh mm. back line. How's he gone yeah. so far this season? Um, well, Harlequins are playing better, so that's a help for him because he's on the front foot more often. But he's not, I wouldn't, he's still, he's still Jamie Roberts, yeah. if you know what I mean. Uh, he'll make really telling tackles and important tackles, uh, but he's not doing anything other than just trying to completely shake someone's fillings loose every time he carries the ball, like, yeah. you know. There's no offload. There's no. There's no even. He's not even looking to see who's with him for an offload, and that that was that was to me that was the biggest part of him being kind of one-dimensional because he attracts so many defenders that I think the off offload is always a a, a 
a goer with him, but um, he never looks. He, he's just he's just one completely one track minded. Um, so he probably still. I mean, let's be honest. He probably still makes the squad, mm. whether he be first choice ever again. I don't know. Injury is what what his best route is for the first team. And uh, anyone anyone else who's really kind of caught your eye, either in a good way or a bad way. Um, I suppose the biggest story of the uh, first four weeks is it four weeks of the Viva Premiership exactly. is James Haskell. James Haskell and his um, buddy, um, not James Cracknell, what's his name? <laughs> Joe Marler. Joe Marler. Did yeah. you see him having a big hissy I did fit see him together? A ding dong, yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. And when he when he was complaining to the ref afterwards, he's not allowed to do that. <laughs> he's not allowed to do that as he was being simbined. It was just amazing. I know he's not Welsh, but it's just the biggest story of the season so far. Do you know what? I thought there was some I thought there was some dubious connection with Haskell. I thought he had some Welsh relative somewhere along the line, but I may have really? I may have made that up. Mm. Um yeah, I might have made that up just for the purpose so. of this. But um <laughs> Yeah, I, I did see that. I mean that was certainly uh it's so amazing. I mean, you could just you could watch that over and over. I, I I mean, I don't know what got into him really. He's not normally, aside from whatever anyone thinks of him, he's not normally fighting everyone, <clears throat> especially not his mates. Yeah. But he was he was really wound up. He must have had a seriously bad morning, or maybe he had a flat tire, or maybe he had a parking ticket when he got to the. He was on his way to the ground or something. He just was really really wound up over nothing. That's it, it's yeah. So, maybe, he so didn't get, maybe he didn't get as many likes on Instagram as he normally does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. one of his, you know, food endorsements has fallen through. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what had happened, but it, it could very... it could well be that. But yeah, I suppose any yeah, any um anything that ends in a in something that's a, a bit of a giggle at James Haskell's expense, I suppose we uh, I suppose Absolutely. we can certainly allow. Um, yeah. Murph, it's been great to chat to you, and we'll uh, we'll catch up with you as the season progresses as well. So keep an eye as our uh, as our resident scout of um, um, our resident scout of uh, Welsh players in the Aviva, and mm-hmm. yeah, we'll chat to you very very soon. Another eventful and entertaining chat there with our good pal, the mighty Murph, and with that, that brings us to a close for this week. Uh, if you haven't already listened to part one, make sure you head over there and download that one and have a listen to uh, our review of Ospreys and Scarlet's performances head of that West Wales derby and uh, if you want to get in touch with us let us know what you think you can of course do that on Twitter at Attacking Scrum or you can do it on Facebook just by searching for us on there and if you want to leave us a review let us know what you thought Uh, please feel free to do that on iTunes as well thanks for listening and we will catch up with you next week after the Welsh derby (laughs) Thank you.